Yes, for today's expert feature, we're talking about the basics of keeping your teeth clean and the habits you can employ that can prevent tooth decay. To answer your questions in my t- uh, mind today, we're joined by Murray Thompson, Emeritus Professor of Dental Epidemiology and Public Health Oral Sciences at Otago University. He has three day, uh, decades of research and experience behind him. And if you have a question for Murray, you can text me on 2101. He joins us now. Hello. Kia ora, Jesse. Kia ora, and thank you very much for your time this earlier, uh, this early in the year. Looking forward to your expertise, Murray. Um, are, are you a good model for dental hygiene? Do you practice what you preach? Oh, yeah, yeah. And I learned my lesson decades ago, you know. Um, but it wasn't really until I got into dental school. And then after I got out of dental school and I started treating people as, as a dentist in practice that I really saw, you know, the, the lessons there every day, you know, day after day after day. And um, then, of course, I got into research and, and working in the um, studies like the Dunedin study where we follow people through their lives and, and you see it up close and, and wow, you know, it's, it's so important to, to look after your teeth and, and to do it well. When you look at yeah. the research, is it clear to you whether uh, some people just have good teeth or is it more of a nurture thing? Is it, is it that if you look after your teeth, you will have great teeth and, and vice versa? Yeah, there's a degree of luck there. You know, I mean, we, the problem is we can't choose our parents. You know, <laughs> so, um, but other things being equal, the better we can take care of our teeth and, and it, it's, it's important to do it well and to do it well day after day after day. It's the the habits that you get into that you do day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, and do throughout your life that determine, you know, for example, how how orally healthy you'll be by the time you get to my age. You know, mm. I'm now a pensioner. You know, so um, yeah, it's it's really interesting, actually. How should I brush my teeth? Carefully, gently, frequently, and efficiently. <laughs> Next question. No. Yeah. Um, you know, um, the, the lessons we've learned are um, use a soft brush. You know, people think, oh, I need to get a hard brush, and the more noise I can make while I'm brushing my teeth, the better it'll be. Um, and that, all that does is, is scrub away your gums and, and start cutting grooves into the roots of your teeth that you expose when you, when you brush your gums away. I don't know why the supermarkets insist on continuing to sell hard or even medium toothbrushes. The, the, the material we're brushing off is soft. You know, if it's hard, you can't brush it off. Mm. You, know, you have to go to a dentist or a hygienist or an oral health therapist and get it cleaned off. So what are you removing when you brush your teeth? You're removing essentially what is a slime. Sounds disgusting, doesn't it? But, you know, anyone, if you you floss your teeth or you run your fingernail around the the neck of your tooth, um, a tooth in the morning when you get up, you'll see you have this white slime. It's called dental plaque. And what that is, is what we call a biofilm. And a biofilm is a highly complex community of, of different 
microorganisms, different bacteria and fungi and 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 yeasts, and they, they organize into um, this quite uh, elaborate community. And the longer it stays there, the more organized and better defended it becomes. So the, the idea with brushing our teeth is to disrupt that, to physically disrupt it and get it off the teeth, and also at the same time to apply things like topical fluoride in the toothpaste to the surfaces of the teeth so that we heal any um, very, very early etchings that, that are the beginnings of holes in our teeth. So if we were to think of brushing teeth as removing mm. slime, we would probably do a slightly better job than if we thought about it as removing um, scales, for example. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's only dental nerds like me or people in, in the profession who think, well, I must go and disrupt the biofilm and apply <laughs> fluoride to my incipient enamel lesions. For most people, tooth brushing is a grooming behaviour. You know, and if you look at it that way, we do it to make ourselves socially acceptable. You know, and also a clean mouth feels nice. Mm. It's it's like when you've been out working in the yard, mowing the lawn and sweating like a pig out in the sun, and you come in and you have a shower. Think of how much better you feel after that. You know, the same applies to your teeth, really. Um, twice a day. Twice a day, I do mine twice a day. I mean, you could do it three times a day, but it has practical problems. You know, where do you keep your toothbrush at work or whatever? <laughs> yeah, I might get complaints I, I, from my coworkers my... if I have a little jar on my desk next to the laptop. Yes, exactly, exactly, yeah. So I, I brush my teeth after breakfast and last thing at night. And, yeah. Yeah, and um, so you can't overbrush your teeth in terms of frequency but you can uh, overbrush them in terms of vigor yes indeed yes indeed and and uh, you know you can underbrush them of course mm. um, we identified you know the the good brushes the 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 so-so brushes and the the very bad brushes in the Dunedin study and followed them for decades Really? The people, you know, um, about one in eight of our study members were in this high plaque trajectory. They had dirty teeth at the beginning at age five and right through to their 30s, they continued to get worse. So each time we assessed them, their teeth were dirtier. About half of the, the, the cohort were in the middle and there was no real change, but they sort of had moderate plaque levels. And about four out of ten not only had low plaque levels at five, but they got better as they, as they improved as they went through life. And by the time we looked at these people in their early 30s at age 32, there was a difference on average of six teeth affected by tooth decay between the really good brushes and those who were rather more uh, indifferent, yeah. if you like. So it does make a difference. And, and, you know, no real, no dental disease occurs quickly. You know, it's all slow and cumulative. And so is the care that we have to take of ourselves in order to avoid it. Okay, here's some listener questions coming through. Should I spit my toothpaste out after cleaning? Ah, that's a good one. Yeah. 
Um, spit, yes, but don't rinse. Great. The principle is, you know, we, we saw a great decrease in tooth decay levels um, across the world, really, with the introduction of fluoride toothpastes in the early 70s. And it, it was an amazing fall. And essentially, if you brush your teeth twice a day with a fluoride toothpaste, you're giving your, your, your teeth a fluoride mouth rinse twice a day. And you think, well, why is that important? I mentioned earlier the, the, the little etchings on the enamel that we get, you know, the very, very early cavities, um, if you like. So every time we eat something or we drink something, the, um, the sugars in what we eat or drink feed the bugs on our teeth in that slime, and they convert that to uh, those sugars to weak acids, which then attack the teeth. So if we then twice a day, you know, when we, in the morning and, and last thing at night, um, apply, you know, what is a, a topical fluoride slurry to, to our teeth, we're going to reverse those early lesions and turn them back. And you might think, well, surely it doesn't make that much difference. Um, I'm an N of one. I've been doing that for decades and decades and decades, and I haven't had a new cavity touch wood mm -hmm. since uh, the mid-1980s. Uh, some, someone Riley asks about flossing. We'll get to flossing in a moment, Riley. Um, yeah. so, someone wants to know about mouthwash. Um, do you is it a good idea? Asks Lila to use a mouthwash like she she mentions tea tree rinse. But I guess any mouthwash after you mm. brush to reduce harmful bacteria. No, no. Um, mouthwashes. I would stick to where the situation where I've had surgery in the mouth. Um, and in the immediate aftercare, um, you're essentially swilling good money down the drain. And you also risk perhaps disrupting the normal um, biological balance mm -hmm. of the good bacteria in your mouth, you know. Um, and also, if you rinse with a mouthwash after you've brushed, then what you're actually doing is rinsing away the fluoride that's hardening your teeth. Okay, good one, good one. Um... I is it possible ask someone to reverse gum recession? I cleaned my teeth too much when I was in my twenties. I used to actually carry my toothbrush on a little coloured rope around my neck because I hated dirty, dirty teeth so much. I'm 64 now, and and this person's wondering: Can you reverse gum recession? It's um, once it's gone, it's gone. The, the periodontists can do some quite sophisticated and expensive surgery to to reclaim localized areas of gum recession. But generally, you know, I've, I've got gum recession myself from from scrubbing too hard back when I was a teenager. Before I actually went to dental school and learned about these things, you know. So I'm 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 now carrying that for the rest of my life. Um, so. What you have to do then instead is look after those exposed root surfaces and make sure if they're sensitive, then use things like um, there are different toothpastes out there that that can treat the um, the, the gum, you know, the sensitive roots. Um, they take a while. All things like this take a while. Um, I, I could mention one. Um, but I'm reluctant to, to talk about a particular brand, but you probably know what it is. Um, 
rhymes with um, fine. Um, <laughs> and, you know, you've got to use it with warm water and with a very gentle brushing action, a soft brush, and um, you know, don't rinse it out after you've used it. And you do that in a sustained manner over a number of months, you should notice that the um, sensitivity of those roots decreases. Okay. You know, nothing, nothing really happens quickly in health. You know, I've just been rehabbing my right knee. I'm a lifelong runner, yeah. and I injured my knee. It's taken 15 months, but I'm finally back running. But, you know, it it does take a long time yeah. for our bodies to come right. Yeah. Okay. Hey, a dental hygienist told me once I should get an electric toothbrush because it does a better job of brushing mm. than, an, uh, than a non-electric and unelectric. Um, is there research to back that up? Uh, there's research to back it up, and there's also research to contradict it. And if you look at the research, it's about much of a muchness. I, I, I personally don't like using an electric toothbrush in my in my mouth. My wife does. So she's got one. I use a manual brush. Um, it's far more important to do a good job with it, um, <laughs> you know. But people who, say, have arthritis or have particular neuromuscular disorders that mean that they find it difficult to manipulate a, a manual toothbrush, find real value in an electric toothbrush. And, of course, if you've got a kid, kids who are reluctant brushes, they can be little grubs. So the novelty factor of the electric brush can uh, help in those situations as well. This is our Monday expert, Emeritus Professor Murray Thompson, who is taking our questions on uh, particularly dental hygiene today, keeping your teeth clean. We won't get into uh, fillings and tooth removals and all that sort of thing. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll take a dental expert uh, on those topics at a later date. But we're talking about cleaning them, and we better talk about flossing. Do, how often do you floss, Murray? It's a personal question. Yeah, I used to floss every day. But now I don't because I switched to little interdental brushes because my wife was told to use those by her uh, dentist. And um, I tried them and I thought, wow, I've been missing out. Um, so essentially, we recommend that you clean between your teeth at least three times a week. Uh, um, I, I do it six times a week. I give myself Sunday off. Um, but... Um, yeah, I, I use these these little interdental brushes now, and I I go around my bottom jaw and my top jaw, cleaning very gently in between my teeth with the, this little brush. And um, you know, if you've got the manual dexterity to do that, then then by all means do it. Yeah, um, I like flossing those. is good. Yeah, and, and because um, I I actually have started flossing, but. Um, for a few years there, I, I said to my, I was honest with my hygienist, and I said, "Look, I'm just never going to floss. I can tell you that I will, but I won't." And and she <laughs> said, "We'll try these then, and they're quite good. Much more, I think, much more convenient." Um, someone asks though, uh, they've started using them. They say they seem good, but they're worried that they might damage their gums. They seem so harsh. Although they report they are helping much less bleeding, and pocket sizes are reduced. So, so you're you're happy. Uh, to say that the, re the re research in your experience at least um, gives a thumbs up to these things. Sure, you, you've got to do it gently and make sure it's wet first as well. And, oh, yeah. and 
if you're having trouble getting it in, don't force it. You know, um, I always, I do have some floss on the side just in case I, I run into problems and then I can just floss that space. Um, something that people often say, you know, when I was out in practice clinically, they'd say, well, I tried flossing, but it made my gums bleed. Yeah. And there's a chicken and the egg thing there mm -hmm. because if you don't remove the plaque from between your teeth through flossing or interdental brushes, it sits there and basically gives you gingivitis. It irritates the gums. And so that makes it much more likely to, to bleed when you do put something in there. So anyone who maybe after this talk decides tomorrow to start cleaning between their teeth or start flossing, they're going to find initially that they're going to see blood on the brush or blood on the floss. That's not a reason to stop, but it's a reason to continue and keep doing it, persist, persist in doing it, and do it gently. And they will notice that within a very short time, there's very little of that, if any, um, occurring. Thank and you. Their mouth will taste better. <laughs> Elizabeth is interested in your thoughts on brushing teeth before breakfast. She says she's seen it a lot on US yeah. TV. Is there a benefit to doing it? No. Um, think about it, you know, um, brushing brushing is a grooming behaviour, basically. We do it to make ourselves socially acceptable. I'd sooner go out to work or out to greet the world um, without um, having my breakfast on my breath, you know. Um, and, you know, it, it, as long as you're not drinking lots of acidic, orange juice at breakfast and swelling it around your teeth so that, you know, it, it's starting to etch your teeth and then you, you go and brush your teeth and there's a theoretical risk at least that you can brush away some of the enamel that way. You'd have to work pretty hard at it for a long time for there to be any difference. But I think it just makes sense from a grooming point of view to clean your teeth after breakfast if you can. Now, we all have these breakfast meetings uh, that we have to go to at, at work occasionally. Um, those days, I just brush my teeth before breakfast, but um, generally, I do it afterwards. And the most important type, so that, that's brushing to make yourself socially acceptable. But from an oral health point of view, the most important time to brush your teeth is the last thing at night before you go to bed. And... What I recommend there is that you brush your teeth very carefully with a fluoride toothpaste and then spit out the slurry, you know, the white bubbly slurry that mm. accumulates as we brush our teeth. Rinse your brush, put the brush away, don't rinse your mouth. Just spit out any remaining slurry that's there. And what happens there is that you then go to bed and you go to sleep and your salivary flow dries, you know, it, it drops down to a very low level. And so you have the the, the slurry with the, the, the good stuff in it hardening your teeth overnight while you sleep. And um, that'll save you money. But love it. In uh, the long term, yeah. Someone says with bleaches being the latest trend in toothpastes, mm. can bleach weaken the dentine? Or Denton? Um, yeah, I'm not a great fan of bleachers, um, but they, they have their place. Uh, you know, we, we are now in a, a societal situation where unless you have teeth that look like the American piano keyboard without the, the black keys, um, 
you're somehow deficient. But um, as we get older, our teeth become slightly yellower. And that's because we're continuing to lay down dentine, which is the slightly less hard tissue that's underneath the enamel and that, that comprises the tooth roots. And it, it's like you've got somebody inside the tooth plastering away at the walls as we get older. And that changes the way that the light reflects off the enamel and makes your teeth look slightly creamier as, as we get older. Um, it's nothing to worry about. Um, in fact, I look with great suspicion at anybody my age who has very, very, you know, shiny white teeth, as I think, well, they're either porcelain or, or they're mm -hmm. acrylic, you know. <laughs> Is, have you come across water flossing, and do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, um, never tried it. Sounds messy. Um, I, I think to disrupt the, the biofilm in between the teeth, you'd need to use a fair amount of pressure. And, and I think it would be difficult enough for a, a, a dental professional to do it. Um, and I wouldn't want to see a layperson do it to, to their teeth or somebody else's. I, I think you could potentially do damage to the gums. How about this for a text on 2101? The commercial floss is just too thin. However, I find the string of my tea bag is amazing and doesn't accidentally cut the gums. What do you think? Oh, excellent. You know, I've got a Scots background. And as a Scotsman, <laughs> that seems very, very reasonable. That seems, you know, <laughs> saving money too. I mean, and, you know, we're, we're getting two uses out of out of something. Wow. I've never seen that. <laughs> Great. Thumbs up. Uh, Libby says, please talk about the different interdental size brushes for teeth. I use sizes one and four, and it really makes a difference when you use the right size. Can you explain that for people? Yeah, yeah. I mean, my advice would be to start with the smallest one, and if that's too small, you know, um, I couldn't even tell you what size the, the ones I use are. I just, can just tell you they have an orange handle. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, you, you just test it out. I know these things cost money, but, it, you know, you, you can do a bit of um, market research, if you like, trying out different sizes. You don't want something that you have to force in between the teeth or you get it in there and you can't get it out without trouble. You know, you want something that will slide in there because what you're doing, you're relying on it, those soft bristles of the brush to remove the plaque from out, you know, from each, you know, you've got a space between the teeth. You've got two contacting teeth. So it's taking the, the, the plaque off the, the, the surfaces just below the contacts of those teeth, which is where the damage gets done if you, if you don't take it out. Luke wants to know if what you think of tongue cleaners. Should you brush your tongue? Uh, I've never brushed my tongue. Um, I know theoretically, I suppose we should. Um, if we want to, to study the, the overall uh, bacterial mix of somebody's mouth, then taking a, a sample from the, the, the top surface of the dorsum of the tongue is, is usually where we take it. If we just have you know, you know, funding to take one sample, for example. But generally, the tongue, like the tops of the teeth, is self-cleansing, you know. Um, 
that, that's what I didn't mention either. When we're brushing our teeth, <clears throat> we're focusing on the necks of the teeth, you know, um, the tops of the teeth, the biting surfaces, they're self-cleansing. You know, the, the plaque can't really accumulate there because it, it, it gets, you know, disrupted. It, it doesn't have a chance to, to establish itself. And you can always tell when you look in somebody's mouth clinically, if they've got on one side, they might have a, a painful tooth and they haven't been able to chew on that side for some weeks. You can actually see because they have plaque on the biting surfaces of the teeth because they haven't been able to, to make those teeth bite together on that side. Mm -hmm. uh, you sort of talked about this with the orange juice, but Glenn wants to know, should you wait an hour after your food before brushing um, is, it, is it important, the, the gap between eating and brushing? No, no. I, I mean, theoretically, yes, I suppose, but there's no really good evidence to show that you should wait. Um, just you know, try to avoid the really acidic stuff at breakfast. Um, or if you do have acidic stuff at breakfast, also have, have food that counteracts that. You know, toast and peanut butter, for example, <laughs> or cereal and milk or yogurt, you know, um, even if if you're so inclined, porridge and milk. <laughs> I can tell you're not a fan. <laughs> um, I'm not a fan, no. <laughs> Dilip once um, says he was using a herbal fluoride-free toothpaste and his teeth started to break, chip and crack. I don't know if that's related or not, but he felt it was related, and he said he started using a good fluoride toothpaste and it stopped the problem of broken teeth. Um, his experience aside, how should we choose a toothpaste? And can you understand some people sort of wanting to gravitate towards a more of a, a natural-seeming toothpaste rather than putting a whole lot of chemicals in their mouth? Sure. Well, let, let, let's first clarify that everything's got chemicals on in it. We are, you and I are just bags of chemicals. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, back in the late 80s when I was a principal dental officer out in the school dental service, we introduced um, fissure sealants for children's teeth. And we needed to be able to clean the, the, the surfaces we were going to seal with a non-fluoride toothpaste um, before we etched the, those surfaces and then bonded the sealants to them. And it was really, really difficult to find a non-fluoride toothpaste back then. Well, in the intervening decades, it, it's really taken off with the, the, you know, the, the market. There are a couple of big companies in New Zealand which are actively pushing that. And um, I think um, they're well-meaning, but... You've got to be clear, you know, the, the, the way to stop the decay, um, if, if you're not going to have the perfect diet um, and have perfect plant control, is to use a fluoride toothpaste. No. We're out of time. I've really appreciated your expertise today, Murray. Thank you so much. A pleasure.